You're listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. So April, yes, how's your PR life going? How's my PR life going? Yes. Well, it's very interesting because normally in December, I have lots and lots of prospects that are for next clearly, year. Or whatever. Yeah, clearly ready to start in January. And this year I have had about, I would say 50% of the ones I thought would land, say, come back and say, hey, just found out I don't actually have any budget for an external agency in 2024. For the and whole then I've year, had, huh? Yeah. And then I've had others who say, you know, yeah, I think, I think we're going to get it together, but I still need, no, we've got all these things going on. It's hectic, blah, blah, blah. Let's touch base in late January. So it's almost like everything's gotten a bit pushed Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't. I mean, I've been reading articles about, you know, startup or, or young company funding just not existing. And a lot of companies that had, you know, a billion dollar valuation last year are now worth 7 million and are going out of business next month. So it's a definitely a different environment for small companies. And then, yeah. you know, bigger companies have been laying off, et cetera. So I don't really know, you know, the market's better than it's been in years, but meanwhile, the jobs reports are great, but it doesn't seem to be, I feel like there's a disconnect and I'm not really sure where it is in terms of business. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend of mine about this, who is very like follows all of the stock market shifts and you know, economic trends, et cetera. And basically his thought is that what's happening now is that the economy is starting to turn around for the better, but that there's a lag, right? So it's sort of like it it got worse before we felt it. Yeah. And it's getting better before we're gonna feel it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So he thinks that things are moving towards opening back up and feeling Mm -hmm. fluid and, you know, sort of. And interest rates have been the reason, I think, for a lot of this funding and and such. It's interesting. You know, these are all things that, you know, you've heard your whole life, but not until you get older and really understand it and really have a stake in some of this delight or whatever. And now it's like, oh, my God. Now I get it. Right. Yeah. 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 And you, right. And you have more, you know, fingers and more pots and money and more places and starts to have a bigger impact than it did when you were younger. Yeah, totally. Um, Like, like, you know, having a, having a savings account that pays 1% or 10% when you have a hundred dollars in the bank hardly makes a difference. (laughs) Yeah. I made a dollar or I made $10. Like who cares? Yeah. But yeah, when you have, you know, like a lifetime of, of work and savings. So yeah, in speaking about that, there was this article that I saw in PR Daily in the beginning of December, mm-hmm. and it was by a woman named Grace Williams, and she's mm-hmm. talking about exploring PR's ethical gray areas. She's a, an SVP at Blast Media, and I was going through the different points that she was making, mm-hmm. and some of these things I didn't know about until the last five years or so, because I had been working at, you know, big companies where certain types of PR don't even come up. 
But here are her main points on ethical issues in PR. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just bullet them out and we can talk about some or all of them. Paying contributors for press coverage, using your own profiles to cover your own clients, mm-hmm. the ethics of embargoes and exclusives, original versus repurposed content, using customers in PR efforts. And that last one was the only one that she said was ethical, but there was some caveats to that. So I thought it was interesting because a lot of these things I wouldn't have really thought of or really understood as a younger person or as a person who was working for giant companies. But when you're working with you know newer companies and startups, companies that are a little bit challenged to get media coverage, sometimes these things happen because I feel like you're trying to do the best for your client and you're really struggling with Mm. how to get them coverage. And so you start to do things that are not really PR and aren't really ethical to assuage your clients Mm -hmm. so that you don't lose them or so they don't get mad at you or so that you feel like you've accomplished something. And a lot of the time it will backfire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's not really PR. So you're not really adding value. So let's go to like the paying contributors for press coverage. Yeah. Like um, she says, I mentioned gray areas, but this isn't one. Yeah, this is not gray. This is black and white. Not gray. Her. This is black and white. Yeah. It's against publication guidelines. So yeah, if you pitch somebody to say, hey, maybe you'd be interested in covering this news or my client, and they say, Yeah, if you pay me, I will. That is a no-no. That's crazy. And I think it happens quite a bit, but this is, you've read and you've run into these, these PR agencies that are like, we guarantee coverage. Well, yes. this is this because is they do some of these things. Yep. So of yep. course they can guarantee coverage of because course. they're paying for it or yeah. they're using their own profile to cover their own clients. You know, they're a contributor for Forbes or Fast Company or Inc or Entrepreneur. And I think those publications are onto this. So they, they're shutting these things down. But this is, I think, how some of these quote PR agencies guarantee coverage. They have profiles on certain platforms, they get clients, and they just write their own stories about their own clients. You can do this kind of stuff if you are a blogger or maybe an influencer, or you're just doing it sort of for entertainment purposes, let's say. But if you're a legitimate PR person or a PR agency, this doesn't work. Then the embargoes right. versus exclusive thing. I've yeah, gotten what... into this too, you know, and I've read, I've read on various blogs and forums that I'm a part of where people get stuck because mm-hmm. they go and they offer an embargo to five or 10 reporters, let's mm-hmm. say. And one of the reporters will come back and say, I'll do it, but only as an exclusive. Well, you've already offered, you know, a handful of other reporters under embargo. So you can't now switch it to an exclusive. Right. And people have gotten into very, very hot water with reporters because then all of a sudden they we take it away. We had a horror away. story about that. Oh, right. They either take it away or they try to do both. It has to be one or the other. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a gamble. And sometimes it doesn't work out for you. But mm-hmm. that is tough crap because you can't have it both ways. I've seen junior people be forced to play both sides of this. It's mm-hmm. horrible. I won't do it. It's not worth it. It doesn't work out well in the end. It just doesn't. It's like bad karma. Or you would offer an exclusive to one reporter and then 
you decide you like a different reporter better and then you invite you know offer them an exclusive and all of a sudden they both say yes now what are you going to do now you're it's mm-hmm. too late you're already dead you're dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the other area of the original versus repurposed content yeah you know when you do a byline they say it has to be exclusive to us it can't be published anywhere else that kind of thing yeah you can't you know something that's been on a website of, for the company for 3 weeks can't then be an exclusive thing for a publication so you have to really plan ahead on this stuff and think through these things. Yeah. When clients ask you to do it. Like you have to say, no, it's just, it's not ethical. I'm laughing. Cause I remember a junior person I heard of pitching the same byline, like on blast, which you're, you know, with bylines, you need to curate it and do it like kind of one step by, by one step, and yep. make them all different. And all of these publications came back and accepted the same topic as a byline. And so it ended up being this thing where they had to write in multiple different ways on the same topic. <laughs> like violence oh for all of these. <laughs> and there was only so many different oh ways god. you could come at the same topic, probably. Oh my god. So they had to move the mountains to make it work. Yeah. 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 I think I know what you're talking about. Oh my god, it was so funny. It was it was yeah, that's painful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. whenever you do that, I think it was like a predictions byline, if I remember yes. right. And there were multiple, I mean, it had to be, you know, 20, the top five like, predictions, 2023 20, or right. whatever predictions. And it was like in multiple different forms. Yeah. So all you have to come up the with same information, 15 different predictions. So you could get five to three different publications. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, that's just, it's just a nightmare. It's so much work and it, and the, the third article, I'm sure, sounded crazy because you've run out of good predictions by that point. Well, you, you know? can also rewrite language so it's not identical, but then it's like it becomes there is kind of a gray line when you're like repurposing the same yes. topic and content, even if the language is different. Right. But that, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I think that's, some why, of that's this, why it's smirking when you were talking. I didn't mean right, to cut you off. And some of it might be because, you know, people who, who are new at this or who, you know, aren't guided don't know. Yeah. And then some might feel like, oh, I should just do it all at once. I think because they get lazy and they don't want to have to do it and wait or follow up and wait or they get impatient. Like, I'll just do it at once. It'll be (laughs) fine. And then it's not. So the last one about using customers and PR efforts, it's always good to say, hey, we have this story idea and, you know, here's a customer or an example or a third party who can like comment on it to try to help build a dynamic story. So that's sort of a separate thing. So we don't even really need to get into that. The bottom line, as she says too, is that if an agency or a PR practitioner guarantees you coverage or a certain number of articles, it's just a red flag. And if a client says, you have to give me 10 pieces of coverage, and I know that you've heard this many times probably because you know when you have startups, they really, they want backlinks and they, and they want a certain, but that's too mm-hmm. much mixing marketing and content marketing and advertising with PR. And it usually blows up in one's face. The other thing that I saw that, and I've heard a lot recently that sort of is linked into this is Harrow has really descended into like a mucky pile of garbage, apparently, <laughs> where both the requests are, I don't know, AI generated or, or like people with blogs that aren't even real reporters. And then apparently the responses aren't even really PR people a lot. It's bots or something replying to these people. It's like this war of like AI bots just going back and forth. And it, all the content is is useless now. Yeah. 
And Harrow was a great resource years ago. And I don't think it is anymore. Well, now there are a number of new platforms that are not free like Harrow. Right. Or Harrow or whoever. I don't know which one. Help is. a reporter out. Yeah. What it stands that. for. Because it's ever I've heard it all kinds of ways. And so there are the new platforms you have to pay for. Right. But so they, that probably keeps but it keeps this garbage at bay. bay. Yeah. yeah. I said that at the same time. At bay. So but I'm I'm using Harrow or Harrow, help a reporter out. Was <laughs> it was a nice add-on. Again, I think it's when people are scrambling, oh my God, we haven't gotten mm-hmm. this this client coverage in a month mm-hmm. find something so yeah. you go to harrow's right i mean it works sometimes you get serious high level coverage i think those days are over so all of this stuff is in this box of things that desperate clients and or pr people do mm-hmm. and that desperation should be understood with care because people get put in situations and they don't know they do how to <laughs> get out of it yes yeah. And there's nothing more frustrating than taking on a client you think you can land coverage for, and then it just doesn't pan out for one reason or another. And, and there could be a lot of reasons why it's not panning out. Yeah. A and lot of reasons. Many times it's not the team's fault. Yep. Most of the time it's not the team's fault, but especially in a time where bringing clients has gotten harder and harder and harder, it's more like, you know, giving birth and doing a coffee date. It's like, it's a whole process, right? (laughs) How to like land new clients. So then you don't want to lose them by not being able to deliver. And then, you know, people, I think sometimes just get a bit desperate to your point. I don't know. What do you do? I mean, so the way to to deal with any ethical dilemmas is to try to avoid getting into them in the first place. So for more senior PR people- You never lie. You never have to remember what you said. Right. Don't lie. It's amazing I'm in PR. I'm a terrible liar and BSer. And a lot of times people are, oh, you must be great. I'm not. I'm terrible at lying. and and I I just am. So so because I'm so afraid of getting in a jam like we just discussed, I just won't do it. Mm -hmm. But that's easy to say because I have been put in those situations and I'm sure I have been in these situations. So telling the truth is, is really the way to get out of it because the reporter may be really mad at you and not cover you and all that. But if you actually say to them, I'm really sorry. And I know that you're upset with me and you have every right to be, but I got put in a jam and I made the wrong decision and it will never happen again. You may be able to resurrect that relationship, maybe not immediately, but down the line. If you continue to bull and go down with the ship like a liar, then that reporter is going to remember you for being kind of scummy yes so i mean it's just like you would treat anybody else in the world you know yeah so again easier to not get into it to begin with but sometimes you get pushed into things or you don't understand the implications of things um so well, I and just- there and there are creative ways to get out of those i mean i think when we had that horror story about the problem where the person pitched under embargo some giant publication wanted an exclusive they ended up reneging on the embargo and giving the exclusive to the big publication. But I think that, you know, part of what we discussed was that, well, what if you just gave them exclusive information, exclusive interview, exclusive something else? Angle, right. Yeah. And so you could, so then you're not, you're not breaking the embargo. 
but you are still giving them some something special to make them want to yeah. cover it, you know? So, I mean, there are ways, I think, I think creative problem solving in PR is maybe the most important skill mm-hmm. because there are all these situations where you have to, you get backed into a corner and you have to figure it out. And I think the other thing is like when you don't get placements for a client rather than going back to, you know, okay, let's go to a paid thing. You know, one of the best ways to navigate that is to get feedback from reporters. Hey, so sorry. I know you're not interested. Like anything you can tell me about why it would be super helpful. Then you can go back to the client with those no's and some semblance of feedback and say, hey, this just isn't landing because we aren't the first to market with blank or we don't have enough statistics. Or we I don't feel have like that evidence. works if you have a legitimate story, but a lot of times you don't have a legitimate story and you're and already you know stretching. that you're pitching some crap just because you have to say we pitched it and to, to make the reporter respond, why not? And have them be like, because it's stupid. Like, you know what I mean? So well, ideally you want the client to respect you enough that you don't end up pitching stuff for them that they want pitched, even though, you know, it's, it's not, not going to land. I know, but you, we all know you get, we all had clients where you had to right? anyway. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, the point system that we have in place helps right. with that because it makes them less inclined to want to waste budget yeah. on things that we don't advise, but it still happens, you know? And it's, I mean, we, we even had a client recently, I won't name them, but they wanted, you know, they came to us, Hey, we've got this big announcement. Oh, he said, cool. As long as we have the information by Monday, whatever it was, we're good to go. And then what to go out in a timely fashion. It was two weeks later, but they'd already paid the invoice. And we're okay. like, what, what? Okay. We'll do our, you know, we'll do our best. But it's like, why would you think two weeks after you put out a press release, this is still viable. Oh, I see what you're saying. They wanted like, you to, to like extend the news life of a, something that was two weeks old. Yeah. Well, I've also had clients or people like if I went at a big company want to issue the same release again because they think that if you put it out again, I've it'll seen clients do that. Boost SEO. And it's like, you know, you can't, it's not. I news. had a former client actually do that themselves. They so put we put out. out the release, pitched it. And then two or three months later, it was like, oh, they put out the same news. That's not ethical either. (laughs) Reissuing the same press release later to see if like. I mean, it was different language. Oh. But it was the same news. So it was not the same press release. Right. It was the same. I've had people, they just don't understand that you, you can't just reissue the same press release like they honestly are just like well let's just put the release out again and then it'll be out again it's like what that's not ethical no i don't even know if pr newswire would do it if they realized it was the same exact release you know a month later but yeah so here's what and this isn't really a practical solution but it will help you to not get into this situation is you have to read 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 publications from major news sources from the trade publications that are relevant mm-hmm. and whatever other types of outlets depending on your client I'm, I'm a very b2b person but if you're a consumer there's probably tons of influencers and and social media type things that you really come more into play with consumer clients you have to read every 
morning for at least an hour, all the different things and see what's out there because it will give you ideas. It will familiarize you with who's writing what, and it kind of gets you in a rhythm of understanding and confidence and just knowing. And even if a lot of what you read has mm -hmm. nothing to do specifically with your clients, it just builds an air of yeah. confidence and understanding. Yeah. And so that will help you to come up with different ideas or better ways to position things than you would ever if you were just trying to do this in a vacuum. I mean, and it's and so much easier to do it now than when we started. And I remember would have bosses be like, you have to read, you know, and there'd be a pile of newspapers and magazines. And you're like, who's mm -hmm. actually going through the every single, you know, the and who has time to do that when you're a junior person and you've, mm -hmm. you know, over uh, indexed on your hours, just doing all sorts of crazy things. But you can do it much easier now, just reading headlines, going online, going on your phone and just like quickly reading, 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 reading. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll let you go. <laughs> no, I was going to say, <clears throat> I mean, Richard Edelman is famous for always reading. I think it's the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal on his train ride into the city every day, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some people are really good at routines like that and very, you know, sort of buttoned up with their schedule and everything looks the same every day. For people that are not like that, I mean, even just doing the research as you're coming up with a story idea to pitch... It, that can work too, right? If you if you don't or if, or if you aren't like a disciplined person that reads every every morning for an hour, but I mean, if that works for you, then that's amazing. But I would say, even as a reporter, one of the biggest ways that I even came up with story ideas was by reading other publications mm -hmm. and then going, oh, I can triangulate this this thing they wrote, this thing they wrote, mm -hmm. and then I might have an interesting story that's different and unique but it, you know give, it sort of sparks something for me it's so working girl of you so remember working. the movie working girl <laughs> i don't trask, know if I trask radio so long ago <laughs> i only watched movies from 1984 whenever that movie came out 88 i don't know anyway um the never ending story that's where you stopped watching movies no i actually that, that was 1984 what oh <gasps> sorry take you off so yeah so right so what you were talking about is as a journalist you were even reading and triangulating yes which is meaning sort of like connecting dots in a way different from what other people have done and maybe not even way different but it's your own spin or your own slant or right your, it's, uh, it's, an, it's something different. new right it's right. like it's a little bit like sometimes as a, as a musician this is very weird i'd be like i want to write a song that's like pink floyd meets mariah carey and then from that idea, Pink you Floyd meets with, Mariah Carey. Is that what you said? I'm not, I didn't actually try to write a song like that, but that's just an example. Yeah. And I'll have this thing in my head, like, wouldn't it be cool if it has these elements of this and this element of this, and you put it together and it's its own thing. Right. And I think that kind of, again, back to the creative problem solving, Right. Like that kind of creative problem solving, if you can do it. Then you'd be Rick Rubin. <laughs> Not but yes, a, so Rick Rubin of PR, yeah, right. So it like becomes yes. like it's about the art of PR, right? Yes, and not the commerce. Yes, the art of PR and not the commerce of PR. And that and I'm is totally why, yes. I'm stealing from Rick Rubin when I say that, except for the he didn't say PR. <laughs> do, do, can you give like a a two second thumbnail on Rick Rubin for people listening that don't know who the hell you're talking about? Well, Rick Rubin is the engine behind a lot of the world's great music 
artists and yeah. songs and stuff like the Beastie Boys was how I first knew <laughs> who he was. Mm-hmm. And he put he put Runs DMC together with Aerosmith. Like he did, he was mashing up things that people are like, that's crazy. And then of course it became a, a whole huge genre of music that has blown up globally yeah. and will never go away, you know? So. Yeah. He's the co-founder of Jeff Jam Recordings with Russell Simmons, founder Which of American started Recordings. started in his dorm room at NYU. Former co-president of Columbia Records. Yeah. And then he's uh, records for the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Public Enemy, LL Cool J. Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage yeah, Against the Machine, Weezer, Audio Slave, Aerosmith. I mean, so and and like Johnny Cash, right? Like he's he's oh, touched right. all the these different. Jo- he brought Johnny Cash and Nine Inch Nails together, right? Right, and and that last he album that? that Johnny Cash did, yes, that was Rick Rubin. Yeah, and doing so. all the songs that you're like, mm-hmm. Johnny Cash would never do these songs. Johnny Cash himself was like, "What? I can't do this." And he put thoughts in his head that clicked and then he created this whole new version of Johnny Cash that, that was insane. The best Johnny Cash. That was my kind of Johnny Cash. I mean, I like all of Johnny Cash, but I will say that 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 Nine Inch Nails inspired Johnny right. Cash stuff is is the most heart-wrenching. Exactly. So we should Rick Rubin anyway. Right. And he I have to he wrote a book recently whatever my friend and I talk about Rick Rubin all the time. We we should <laughs> we all should aspire to be Rick Rubin. So <laughs> Well, anyway, we need more Rick Rubens in PR. I could probably grow the beard if I didn't whack. So the reason why we bring all Rick Rubin into this is, yeah, so if you treat PR to some extent as an art form, your own personal art form, then you can expand your universe of knowledge and understanding and connect dots like you were talking about that will potentially provide better results which will then help keep you away from having to do sort of bottom feeding pr that sometimes becomes unethical yes yeah i think i think a bit of creative problem solving and creative thinking can get you out of binds rather than leaning towards the dark side and doing something that you can't sleep with at night or you can't sleep after sleep that doesn't that's not the saying <laughs> to allow you to sleep <laughs> you at night yeah <laughs> so that you can sleep at night i don't yeah. think you're gonna sleep without with your bad no effects. i mean i've been panicked about work like oh my god if that reporter finds out or oh my god if the the client doesn't show up for the interview or whatever i mean it's a it there's there's that feeling happens a lot in pr so totally, totally. i really feel like making time and you might have to do it on on your own time because i know that junior pr people are busy 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 doing everybody's admin stuff and all that yes but i swear it'll make you and i was told this and i didn't listen but again it's because i literally i was like what am i gonna like sit here and read every new it'll take five days to read all of these publications you know fortune magazine and fast company where they were this thick so now you can just scroll and it's much easier so nobody has an excuse and even if you don't if it's a paywall you can still see headlines you can see the first paragraph you can get articles you know different places etc yeah agreed all right right. thank you so much for tuning into the pr wind down podcast remember to submit your own agency stories and questions and to share our show with your friends and colleagues if you subscribe and leave us a rating it helps us reach new listeners like you can't wait to wind down with you again next time
Yeah. <laughs>